Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network. My name is Anis Wamboy and I'm glad you've tuned in. And we are continuing with our series on God's hate list. What does God hate? What are the things that God detests the most? And our Proverbs, are, <laughs> rather our book, the book we're going to be reading from is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, from verse 16 to 19. And we're going to read it from the NKJV. And this is what it says. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, wicked plans, feet that are swift to run into evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. I'm going to read it again. Proverbs 6 from 16 to 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Now, last week we looked at the first of these seven, and the first of these seven was a proud look. And we say that God is a person, and God is capable of experiencing emotion. And we say that when you look throughout scripture, you notice that God is an emotional person, is an emotive being. When I say he's an emotional person, I don't mean it in the negative sense that he's an emotional person, but I mean he's an emotional being. He's got he's he's got emotions. Uh, we see in Genesis Genesis chapter six verse six that uh, God experienced regret in his heart, regretting that he had made man. We see in Psalm chapter five and Psalm chapter eleven that God can actually hit people you know that can actually get angry and hate people and uh that that may have been a a shock to some of you and uh if it's still a shock to some of you (laughs) i'm gonna read exactly what it says because um at times we grew up in a culture that tells us oh god is love god can never hate anyone but the bible tells us in the book of psalm chapter 5 i'm gonna just read this it says it says um the boastful shall not stand in your sight. Psalm 5 verse 5. You hate all workers of iniquity. Look at that. You hate all workers of iniquity. Then verse 6 says, You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. And it says, The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. He actually abhors him. <laughs> the Lord has hatred in his heart towards them. Now, the emotions of God are not like our emotions. When we have hatred in our hearts towards someone else, it is murderous. It is to destroy them. Uh, The anger and the hatred that God has towards people is often towards their redemption and if they are unrepentant, towards their demise. And listen to what Psalm 11 verse 5 says. These are some of those pieces of scripture that you find very hard to accept. Uh, uh, Look at what it says in Psalm 11 um, verse 5 it says the lord tests the righteous but the wicked and the one who loves violence the ones the one who loves violence his soul hates you know how's that for a god with emotion his soul hates now uh, these these passages can often disturb us because when we think of us having these emotions we are often out of control we are often um uh what's the word we are often uh 
we often think on the spur of the moment we don't reason things out we're often capricious that's the word we're often capricious but our god is not capricious our god does not have emotions that uh lead him into evil in fact the bible says god is not evil nor is he himself tempted by evil and we are told that there are certain things concerning our God, that despite all these emotions that he experiences, there are certain things that he cannot do or he will never do. For example, Numbers 23 verse 19 tells us, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. He does not speak and fail to act. He does not promise and fail to fulfill. Hebrews 6.18 tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. So we see that God experiences emotion. If you look at the second commandment, that is Exodus chapter 4, chapter chapter 20 rather, chapter 20 from verse 4 to 6. Um, there is a portion there, uh, if I remember it correctly, it says, um, do not make for yourself any image of anything in heaven or or anything on earth or under the earth. Do not bow down to them or serve them or worship them. Then he says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Look at that. A God who experiences emotion. He's a jealous God. Now his jealousy is not like our sinful jealousy, like our sinful envy. His jealousy is a redemptive jealousy. One that seeks to restore us back to him. It's as if he's saying, hey, idols replace me. You're in a relationship with me and you're cheating on me with these idols. And guess what? Just like a, just like a wife or a, or a husband or a boyfriend or a girlfriend would get jealous. Just like a spouse would get jealous if they found out that their spouse was in, was, 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 had their heart devoted to someone else. So the Lord experiences a form of jealousy, but his jealousy is pure. It is righteous. There are people who get um, who, who cannot stand the emotions of God. In fact, they conflate them with human emotion and they give up on the person of God. Uh, the famous uh, talk show host, Oprah Winfrey, said that uh, part of her turning away from Christianity began when she heard that God is a jealous God, and that was from the Ten Commandments, and she just couldn't accept that. Now, you must understand that there are parts of the scriptures that we can't really accept, but you must understand who God is, no matter how difficult those passages are. God can be who he is without necessarily having the human weaknesses that you and I have. And our human emotions are often crutches, they cripple us. But God's emotions lead to his righteousness. God's emotions never contradict his righteousness. So in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19, we're told God experiences very strong emotions. And some of these strong emotions includes things that he hates. And last week we looked at pride and what God um, and what God thinks about pride. And how in summary you could say that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now number two on that list is a lying tongue. God says, I hate a lying tongue. Now, I strongly believe that this comes... Uh, number two on God's hate list for this for the reason that lying is perhaps second to pride the most potent enemy of the truth you see God stands for the truth and pride opposes the truth simply because pride does not like the truth but lying contradicts the truth you see pride denies the truth in full face of the evidence that is presented lying on the other hand twists and mutilates the truth to spawn heresies. Heresies are birthed when the truth is twisted, it's mutilated, it is turned, it is disfigured. And guess what? God hates it, guys. You see, Jesus taught 
if you read the book of John chapter 8 verse 44, he said that lying is the native language of the devil. John 8:44. Let me just stand there. I want you to listen to what the Lord says concerning the devil. In John 8:44, the Lord says, He says, He's speaking, He's speaking to the Jews, and He says, Let me start from verse from verse 43. He says, Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. That is the New King James. I like how... Uh, um, I, I like how the NIV says in that final sentence, it says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Look at that. that Satan is the father of lies. All right. He, I like what the NLT also says. It says, when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And this is perhaps why God hates it. Because this is Satan's native language. Satan is the father of lies and he has perfected the art of lying over the years. Satan must have begun by lying to the angels that fell with him in his rebellion that he was going to be supreme over the Lord. He must have used some deception in order to bring them down. He must have lied to them and Satan begins by lying to Eve in the Garden of Eden. The first thing we see, the first sin in the Garden of Eden began because of a lie. A lie that Satan uh, turned, uh, that, that, a lie that Satan spoke to Adam and Eve. So God's kingdom on the other hand stands on truth. And Satan hates truth because you see truth liberates people from darkness. I want you to listen to what John 8, 32 says. In fact, let's read from verse 31. Um, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, truth brings freedom. Truth liberates you from lies. Truth liberates you from darkness. Satan hates truth because truth also cleanses us from worldliness. In John 17, 17, uh, Jesus said, uh, we're praying for the church. We're praying for every believer. He said, sanctify them with your word. Your word is truth. God, may you cleanse these people using your word. And you see, your word is truth. Your word has got truth in it. And that's what will cleanse them from worldliness. Any Christian who's struggling with carnality, any Christian who's struggling with any degree of licentiousness can be liberated from that licentiousness, can be cleansed through what? The truth. And what is the truth? The truth is the word of God, the Bible, the 66 canonized books that have been put together by the Lord. So Satan hates truth. And you see, he does not just hate truth because truth is ultimately a concept, but he also hates truth because ultimately truth is a person. Truth is a righteous, holy person, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus claimed to be the truth. You see, we live in a world that uh, glorifies what we call your truth. 
will say, oh, that's your truth, you know. Let your truth work for you. As long as your truth uh, uh, lifts you up, as long as your truth sorts you out. And many times, the pursuit of this so-called your truth is an excuse to indulge in things without accountability because after all it's my truth god does not have various degrees of truth or various versions of the truth god says if it is truth it's only one it's one and that's how truth works if it's your truth it's no longer truth is it truth is truth because truth is unitary truth is truth because truth is unique if it's no longer unique, if everyone has got their own version of the truth, and you may say, Anis, but that's what makes it unique. Well, not in that sense. The uniqueness of truth is in its soul, is in, is in, is in its soul existence. And the Lord tells us truth is a person. You see, God distances his character from lying, and he does that very clearly. And he distances his character from lying that are, uh, that, 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 by, by asserting that he is the truth. And again, like in Numbers 23, 19, that he is not a man that he should lie, but that he speaks the truth. Numbers 23, 19 that I quoted earlier says, God is not a man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should change his mind. He does not speak and fail to act. He does not promise and fail to fulfill. God clearly says that he speaks the truth. He's not human. He's not a man. God also asserts that his promises are a sure anchor to rely on because his character is incompatible with lying. God cannot have lying as part of his character. He says it is impossible. And you can see that from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. In fact, let's just read that. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says... God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have this great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. You see, in the Old Testament, the curtain was in the the curtain was in the tabernacle, and it was covering the inner sanctuary, which was the holy of holies. If you went there and you are not truthful, if you went there and you are impure, if you are full of sin, you would die. And only one person was allowed to go there. That was the high priest. And that high priest would have a rope tied on his leg such that in case he did not align with the truth and he died, they would drag him out. We've been told Jesus Christ has entered through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary and he has offered his blood as a sacrifice for us. Jesus is our eternal high priest. Jesus has passed the test. Why? Because Jesus is the truth. And Jesus cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. When I think of lying, guys, I often see three forms that lying takes. And lying takes the, the following forms. One, deception. Two, manipulation. Three, exaggeration. Deception, manipulation, and exaggeration. Let's look at these three things. <laughs> what does deception look like? Deception often involves championing falsehoods to counter the truth. It also includes adulterating the truth with bits of lies here and there. 
So deception could be just saying something that counters the truth. I would start by saying, hey, um, a man is not a man. A man is a woman. That is deception. A man is male. I could say um, men are not necessarily male. Men, men can be female. That is a lie. That is deception. It is deception. All right? Because I am countering the truth. But also, another way to deceive people is not just countering the truth. It could also mean adulterating the truth with bits of lies. So I take the truth and I mix it with a few lies here and there. So I could say, God loves humanity. Now that's the truth, right? And I could say, God wants to save humanity from sin. Now that's the truth, right? Then I could say, all religions lead to God. Well, that's a lie. What have I done? I have taken two truths and mixed them with one counter truth, one lie. And as a result, what do you have? Do you have truth? Do you say you've got two-thirds truth in that statement? No. You end up with a lie. You see, the hybrid of mixing truth and lies results in lies. Muddy water plus pure water is muddy water. It's never pure water. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's exclusively saying, hey, guys, all else is wrong. I believe the worst kind of deception is one that leases truth with lying. You see, it lures the mind with the truth, and while the mind is still focused on the truth, it stings the mind with the poison of deception. And many times it's normally in small and noticeable doses. You put up with it, you say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And it is cunning and effective in drawing you away from God slowly. Someone called it the betatization by a thousand cuts. If someone wanted to cut off your finger, they could decide to just come and swipe with a sword and cut you off. Or they could start making small cuts, small cuts, small cuts. Small cuts that you don't really feel. But with every cut, your heart, your, your, your finger becomes numb and numb and numb and numb and numb until you find it falling off. Deception is at the heart of cults, heresies, false religions. Deception is what caused people to claim that Jesus was coming back at a certain time and it never happened. That's the first form of lying. The second form of lying is manipulation. Manipulation involves managing the truth to fit a certain narrative. All right? So you manage the truth. So a woman, for example, may see her friend's husband having coffee in a restaurant with a certain lady. And then she may call her friend and say, Hey, you know what? I saw your husband having a great time with another woman. Now, has she said the truth? At face value, yes. But she has omitted stating the venue, a public restaurant. You see, she's also omitting stating that the husband and this lady were just talking. And by omitting this detail, she leaves room for deception to occur. She manipulates the truth. So in essence, she's lying. You see, her motive is to put a wedge between this woman and her husband. She may even see the husband laugh and she may even emphasize, oh, he was laughing, he was having such a great time with this woman. What is she doing? She's planting an image of her husband, of this woman's husband, being unfaithful. And she presents this to her friend in an attempt to poison the marriage. Guys, when we are economical, 
with presenting the full facts of what happened when we leave out information what are we doing we are manipulating and in a court of law you could argue and say oh but i never said but guess what it is a lie in the eyes of god that's what happened in second samuel chapter 13 jonadab um was it jonadab oh. um was this man who tricked uh who told david's son to go and sleep with his he, he didn't say sleep he just gave him some wicked advice let me just read it okay uh in second samuel chapter 13 uh amnon had a friend amnon had a beautiful sister called tamar and amnon was in love with tamar now amnon had a friend called jonadab and jonadab gives some counsel to to amnon because he says amnon is in love in fact with tamar he says hey here's what you're going to do go back to bed pretend you're sick when your father comes to see you ask him to have tamar come and prepare some food for you tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feeds you with her own hands now there's no part in what jonadab says in what in in, in jonadab word jonadab's words does he say then rape your sister force yourself sexually on her he doesn't and yet if you read the story amnon went ahead and he raped his sister if you go back to the motivation for amnon do this it was jonadab jonadab gave amnon information he gave him an idea but in the idea that he gave jonadab that that jonadab gave amnon jonadab never said defile your sister kill your sister touch your sister he never said that but you see those are strong implications from what he said he manipulated the information he may not have spoken a lie but he was lying through the manipulation of the information guys amnon died and when amnon died jonadab was the one who was the first to tell king david oh you know amnon is dead is dead because his brother killed him because you see amnon raped tamar and jonadab is the cause of all this because of jonadab's bad advice and because of his manipulation of information there's such a rift in the royal family to the extent that it it turns into a civil war there's a coup and absalom starts fighting his father his father david all this began because someone manipulated the truth jonadab it is jonadab's fault now in history don't look at it as jonadab's fault but if jonadab had kept his mouth quiet if he had shut his mouth if he had not given this information perhaps everyone would be intact perhaps tamar would not be raped she would be a virgin waiting for marriage perhaps amnon wouldn't be dead and absalom would not have revolted against his father and people would not have died and absalom would not have died and the kingdom would have been intact but the manipulation formation now if you confront him you would say but i never said a lie yes you didn't say the lie but guess what you held back information you manipulated information and that counts as lying and god hates it god hates it finally the third form that lying takes is exaggeration exaggeration when we amplify a report to appear, make it appear more severe more foolish more dangerous more exciting when we tell a story you know to tell to make people, to make people think that we are more awesome than we really are to make something appear more trivial more anything guys when we try to add to the truth when we try to augment to what really happened guys we are lying It is not a white lie. 
it is a lie <laughs> and God hates it. Perhaps the most chilling reality for liars is the fact that God promises that time will tell and that all lies will be exposed in deception, manipulation and exaggeration. All these lies will be exposed. I want you to look at what the Bible says in Mark chapter 4 verse 22. Let me just stand there. In Mark chapter 4 verse 22, this is what the Bible says. It says, Would anyone, let's start from verse 21, then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or a bed? Or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where it will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Everything, verse 22, that is hidden will be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to the light. God says, all deception, manipulation, and exaggeration will be brought to the front. Let's look at what the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 17. Luke 8, 17 is what the Bible says. It says, all that is secret will eventually be brought out into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. On that final day of judgment, all that has been hidden will be brought to the truth. Be a friend of the truth. Love the truth. Stand with the truth. Don't support what God hates. Stand on the truth because God loves the truth. The gospel depends on truth being sent out that men may hear. That the deception that they believed, that they are good people, that's a lie. You need to hear the truth. You are a sinner and you need the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The deception that is being peddled by prosperity preachers that God's existence is to make you rich and famous and to guarantee you health, wealth, and prosperity all the time. That is to be undone. You need to hear the truth that God came, that he may transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God hates lies. God hates deception. God hates manipulation. And God hates exaggeration. May this be a call for repentance for us. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you because your word never fails, never gives up and never leaves us dry. Father, may this be a moment to search our hearts that we may be more like you. Change us for the glory of your name as we continue looking at Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. We praise you for it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and believe. Amen. And for more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, please head over to www.edify.app, that is E-D-I-F-I.app, or you could also search for the Edify app on the App Store or on the Google Play Store. My name is Anes Wamboy, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>